All-Star teams. We have a home run derby. Things are getting set for the All-Star game next week in San Diego, and we're going to talk all about it. This is the Stew Pod, the Yahoo Sports Baseball Podcast. I am Mike Oz. And I'm Chris Swick. Chris, what's happening, man? How is, how is things in your uh, baseball neck of the woods? Uh, things are great. Can't be, uh, can't be too upset. Like you said, All-Star Game Home Run Derby. Uh, I know people look forward to the All-Star Game. I don't know. I'm more of a Home Run Derby guy. I, I get excited for that. Hot take. No, I, I agree. The Home Run Derby is pretty great. So um, I'm, uh, I'm happy about that. I'm happy they're keeping the brackets. Uh, we'll talk about the field in a second. But I uh, do want to tell you what's coming up on the show because it's going to be a good one. We have John Smoltz joining us, a name you very well should know. Baseball Hall of Famer, eight-time All-Star, now an analyst for Fox. And he's calling his first All-Star game this year. And I don't know if we have, um, you know, numbers on those things. But I, but I feel like it's pretty cool to be an All-Star and then come back and call the All-Star game. I don't know if he's the first, but um, I have to imagine even if not, that's a pretty small number of people who have done that. Yeah, and, you know, Schmoltz, obviously, it's a unique perspective, right? Because he's played in so many of them. So I feel like um, he should be able to toss in some stuff that maybe the average fan wouldn't recognize during the game. And spoiler alert, he had some good stories to share, including about his first All-Star game. So uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. I do want to ask Chris, because we're, we're on this note, and they like as we're recording this, the Home Run Derby just got announced like a half hour ago. Um, who's your pick? Uh, I guess I will go with the number one seed, Mark Trumbo. Mark Trumbo. That'd be, it'd be a pretty fascinating story, huh, if he just comes back and, you know, wins the home run derby after everything he's gone through the last few years. I don't know, man. Might, might have something coming on Mark Trumbo. Oh, uh, teaser. And, uh, I, I might be a believer in what he's done. Mark so Trumbo, all right. That, that might be why I'm taking him. All right. I... I, I want to go Stanton because I want him to win the Derby, but I just don't think I can do it. Um, I think I'm going to go with the repeat performance from Todd Frazier. Oh, all right. I feel like I feel like Frazier because he, he he's not in the All-Star game. He's basically just there to win the Derby. He's like a hired gun they're bringing in, you know, so that's all he has to worry about is, is hitting those jacks. And uh, I think that, you know, he will come and fulfill that mission. He won last year, so he knows what it takes. I feel like it's all set up for him to for him to win, and then I don't know what next year we're gonna have to do like the the grudge match with him and Cespedes or something because they both won two in a row. Yeah, and I don't mean to sound disappointed. I just I was hoping you'd pick Adam Duvall, but you did not. So not gonna pick Adam Duvall. That's that would, right. That would be a story though, right? That that'd be a, a pretty pretty funny story. That'd be great. Well, you got the uh, the Reds winning two in a row storyline there. Well, so. Yeah. Maybe you could have gone with that. Well, just like just like an Adam Duvall, Mark Trumbo finals, that would be pretty funny. And I think that can happen based on how the brackets are set up. So we'll probably see that. <laughs> that would be that'd be great. Baseball people would be like, huh? Neither of us picked uh, the hometown guy though, Will Myers. But we did talk to him a little bit about we, that we a couple weeks ago. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry to have betrayed you, Mr. Myers, but I don't know, man. Um, I, I am curious to see. Like how many home runs we're gonna see? I mean, just because Petco is the way Petco is, like you know, if are people gonna be disappointed if there's not a ton of homers? You know, because it's not a traditionally a home run hitting park. Well, I don't know. Last year it played like a home run hitting park, but I don't know if that was a function of maybe throwing out James Shields and Ian Kennedy every day. <laughs> so I, I honestly don't know if that's carried over this year. Well, but they, they did bring something. in the fences a little bit. 
Right, yeah. So that'll be something, I think, to watch for. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go talk to John Smoltz and see what kind of all-starry things he had to say. I think you're going to enjoy that. Then we'll come back with Bad News Ramen and, of course, finish off with some important questions. This is the Stew Pod on Yahoo Sports. Welcome back to the Stew Pod on Yahoo Sports. Today we have the pleasure of being joined by John Smoltz, MLB Hall of Famer, who is calling Tuesday night's All-Star broadcast on Fox, which starts at 7 p.m. Eastern with pregame coverage on Fox Sports 1. John, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, John, it's your first time calling the All-Star game. You've played in eight of them, and now you're calling one. Uh, you more nervous as a broadcaster the first time or as a player? Oh, I think as a player is something you could never, ever, I mean, experience or know what to experience until you actually get in there. My first experience was the most wildest one you can imagine. And 89, I was the only representation of the Atlanta Braves. And uh, I just was tickled to death to be there. It was in Anaheim. And I didn't even, I didn't think there was any way I would pitch. And in the meetings I was told I was going to go second behind Rick Russell and being you know never being in that ballpark uh didn't know where to go didn't know how to get to the bullpen and uh guys veteran guys that were I thought would go down there in the beginning of the games they wanted to watch the first inning from the dugout so they said we'll take you down as soon as you know the first inning's over sure enough first inning doesn't go very well he's in a lot of trouble and Tony LaRussa I mean, Tommy Lasorda got on the phone and said, get Smoltzy up. And the guy was like, he's not down here, and I'm in the dugout. <laughs> so I panicked and, and had to get down there as soon as I could and had seven pitches, warm-ups, and I was in my first All-Star game. Of which, you forget anything and everything that everybody told you. You get out there, and I had a first and third situation, one out, and Bo Jackson was at the plate. So Bo Jackson was everything at that point, right? Greatest athlete along yeah, with yeah, yeah. Sanders, Deion Sanders. And I got him to hit a routine three-hopper to Ozzie Smith, and I was so excited that I was getting out of the inning with a double play. The only problem is he beat it out. Oh. So I gave up that run and got the loss, and that was my first uh, World Series experience. So comparing it to a first broadcast, if it was my first broadcast, only first broadcast, yeah, then I'd be a little nervous uh, on that end and probably draw more comparisons to being more nervous on, on the broadcast. But fortunately, I've had some broadcast uh, games, and it's not my first, first game I'm doing. And you know where to go in the broadcast booth, so you're, you're fine there. I'm, I'm curious, yeah, yeah. How, how, did you, how, did you, how do you find out you're doing the All-Star game as a broadcaster? I mean, obviously there's all this pageantry with the players and stuff. I mean, was, is it as simple as like, they're like, hey, you're doing the All-Star game, or was it a little more than that? Well, uh, you know, Fox does those big moments. They do the All-Star game in the playoffs. So if you're um, part of the broadcast that, that does that, that's how you find out. And I found that out this year that I would be doing the games with Joe Buck. I had done some previous work for Fox in the first round of the playoffs, Um along with Matty Vaskersian, and then I did the, the All-Star game last year for MLB Network International. So 
doing the game in Cincinnati and getting a feel for what kind of atmosphere that really is, although be it a different audience, um, it was it was a lot of fun. And getting an opportunity to do the All-Star game just means that, you know, I'll have opportunity to do what I've always wanted to do, and that's cover the postseason all the way through and, and the World Series. So as a player, you know, you wanted to get introduced on opening day. Then you want to get introduced on the All-Star game. Then you want to get introduced in the playoffs and the World Series. And I think the same can be said for, you know, broadcaster. You want to do regular season games, but you really want to do those games that 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 separate themselves, you know, from a regular season game. And the All-Star game is the first one of them. As a broadcaster now, um, who do you get excited to see in the All-Star game? Are you excited to see more of the established stars, like the Bryce Harpers, the Mike Trouts, or... Is there a certain level of excitement for maybe some of the first-time guys who maybe national fans aren't as familiar with? Yeah, I think storylines and neat stories are always something that you find out about a player um, that you didn't know before. Uh, the fact that they're going to match up against guys interleague kind of has kind of dimmed that a little bit. You know, we're going to see these kind of matchups. Before, it was an intrigue where the American League never was going to face the, American, the National League to the World Series. And you wouldn't get these matchups. Now we get these matchups all the time. So there's definitely some marquee matchups you want to see and you hope you can. But it's all about timing in the All-Star game, when you get the moment, when you get the guy to, to face um, or, or get you know a big hit. But I think the storylines behind, let's just say this year, just some neat little storylines of Strasburg and Bryant returning back to San Diego where they played some, some college ball and – I think, uh, and where Brian is from, I believe, if I got my my information right. Went to college. Yeah, I went to college at uh, San Diego, right? Yeah. So, I think that those are kind of neat when you kind of come back full circle and think, man, I went to college here, and one day I'm going to be playing in an All Star game. I mean, that's just that's crazy stuff. So, I like that kind of stuff as well as the first time anybody gets a chance to be in the All Star game. As a player, I'm wondering what, what was like your favorite part or your favorite moment. I've heard people say, you know, when they when you're standing out there and they announce your name, or you know, and, and I guess like not really when you go into the game because obviously you, you talked about all that. But is is there is there kind of a moment when you're like, holy crap, I'm at the All Star game? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of them. It's, it seems like uh, it's a buzz, man. Every every moment, every second, you're doing something. Um, uh, I, I think when you when you get to to compete in the game and, and be with all those guys is pretty cool. I, I don't know. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of anxious moments once the game starts for a pitcher because you got to wait to get in. I always thought it was pretty neat when we have the president of the United States and you shake, you shake his hand and take a picture um, with him. And you know it's a big game when yeah, yeah. When, when, when they're there. So uh, I, I think those are, are, are pretty cool moments as well as Everyone else is sitting watching you when you get announced. It's the only time, uh, other than the World Series, where there's only two teams playing. And, you know, most of the country will be watching as your home city, hopefully will be watching as you represent your team. All right, John, we're going to ask you to to go inside the mind of some of the managers here. Uh, Terry Collins is managing the National League side, and 
Noah Syndergaard is an all-star. If Terry Collins wants to have a nice, smooth second half, does he have to pay, pick Syndergaard as his all-star game starter? No, he doesn't. And I would okay. expect that conversation's already already had and taken place because of all the things that are going on, the dynamics of the, their arms and their health. I hope, and you would think, it'd be a mutual between the two of them. Hey, I really want to pitch. Good, you're going to pitch and be done with it not oh if you pitch you know what is this going to do and or if i could really use the break but i think you have those conversations behind closed doors especially when it's with your own manager that's an easier thing to do the world wants to see send a guard and i'm sure he wants to pitch so i think once you get past all the noise everything has a way of working itself out and Terry Collins has had a lot on his mind until recently. His team has gotten in a much better stretch run, so that's going to help ease the tums and and acid he's got building up with just the stress of not only his season with his team, but managing this team is not as fun as people think. It actually gets fun when the game's going, but there's so much going on that there is no way that until you've been through it, you can be prepared to handle a lot of the I guess, noise and distractions that come along with it. And in the AL, it, it seems like maybe Chris Sale would be a logical choice for Ned Yost, but we've seen how well he's done with dominant bullpens in the past. Is there any chance that Ned Yost just totally flips the script and starts a reliever here, or is Chris Sale the logical guy? I mean, he's a logical guy. You could do just about anything you want in, in, in an all-star game, right? And I'll tell you what's going to get interesting for me is watching how and seeing how Ned has managed his own team to see how he manages this team of all-stars against a staff in the National League that you can run on. And you don't typically think about stealing bases in an all-star game. You're going to see some stolen bases if guys get on in this all-star game because you got Syndergaard and Arietta and Lester and some guys that you can run on as starters. And if you're in that one short sprint and trying to get one run, I would think that strategy is going to come into play as well. And, you know, if the American League decides that they want to go based on the the lineups with their hardest to hit early, that's why there's a lot of good choices there. Um, but I think if you've got a starting pitcher and he's dominant and you want to pitch him, Keep him in his element. Let him start the game. It's a prestigious honor. And um, let everybody else be familiar with more typically what their role would be rather than, hey, I got the best closer in America, and I'm going to start him in the first inning. Well, yes, he could do it, but it's a little out of the element. He'd rather close the game down if if it's truth, you know. Uh, one of the things I love about the All-Star game is, is of course, you have all the big stars, but then you kind of have the guys who, um, you know, don't, maybe don't get as much of attention as, as Mike Trout and Bryce Harper, and they have, a, you know, every opportunity to come out there and, and do well, too. Who do you look at as some of the, like, underappreciated players who, you know, might get a chance to shine in the All-Star game, who maybe aren't household names, but are going to be there? Well, I think there's a lot. I think whenever you have a first-timer, it's 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 an indicator of they've arrived and this could be a platform for their career, whether it's a Duvall from Cincinnati who got traded uh, and is getting an opportunity to showcase a uh, story. 
for Colorado and, and his emergence to the league and, and what he's been able to do. I'm intrigued, actually, with a guy that pretty much everyone knows, but the story of his year, Ian Desmond, um, yeah. all that transpired yeah. with, with what he's been able to do, a new position, and make the all-star team when he you know, lost out on a huge contract and signed a one-year deal. And that's pretty huge. Um, that's going to be a neat story to follow. But there are. There are so many of them. Uh, do you feel like uh, there were any big snubs as far as the All-Star game? I, mean, I know this is, that's a big thing thrown out every year. So were there any guys you thought were definitely deserving who didn't make it? Oh, I mean, there always are. It's 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 unfortunate that the way the system is. I mean, you can't possibly get everybody. Uh, right. But what ends up happening because of injuries, and because those things, they usually work themselves out. So whenever you talk about a snub, he ends up getting back on the team because of, it's just not possible to have the the elected guys all go and be healthy and all be able to perform. So. They work themselves out. I mean, you understand in certain situations, you're just at a product of a tough position that too bad you're at that position. You picked the wrong time to have a really good year because two other or three other guys had phenomenal years. So it's 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 part of the deal. And, you know, I used to always kid my position player buddies and teammates, you know, at least as a pitcher, you got to earn your way on every single time. A little <laughs> tongue-in-cheek, but... Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a little different when you talk about a guy's career and the length of his career and, and you know, being able to perform on a consistent basis more. That's, that's incredible to have 10, 11, 12 all-star selections. Uh, I'll switch gears a little bit because after the all-star game comes uh, the Hall of Fame. And uh, you are, you know, now now Hall of Famer. Uh, been so for about a year. So a year later almost. um what what moments stand out to you the most when you think back of going through that process? Just everything that led up to the most incredible time of your life. And now I get a chance to remember what that even was like um, because I didn't breathe. I didn't, it was so crazy and so busy and so much pressure. Um, I'm going to sit back, relax and enjoy the ride. This is what everyone talks about the second year just the, the feeling of being back and not having to be able to not even spit or swallow or, or even in, in any way, even imagine, um, that what led up to last year was so incredible, but went by so fast. So, and just to kind of clarify that a little bit, like you just get to go and, and pretty much hang out and enjoy the party now, right? Oh yeah, there's no stress of how many you know hundreds of tickets you need uh, to to the, your speech to all the different nuances that you know basically you, people could tell you all year what it's going to be like, but until you go through it, until you see fifteen thousand people, until you go on that parade, until you see the Hall of Fame artifacts in a way where you've never seen them before and know that yours are going to be forever, you know implemented there that's just ridiculous it just doesn't make sense and now this time not that anything will be old hat but it'll feel so much better to really take it in without the, the pressure of knowing what's to come now that you're part of this club of, of hall of famers uh you, you know you go back every year 
are, are there people that you're going to look forward to seeing, you know, kind of in that in that club? I mean, whether it's the guys that you know really well from the Braves or, or some, you know, old-timer guy that, that you're like, man, it's great to, you know, hang out with Willie Mays or, or whoever. Yeah, and you're never going to have 100 – well, it's hard to have 100% of the living guys there, right? I mean, yeah. just, confl- you know, conflicts and stuff like that. So imagine just being able to see guys that – um you weren't able to see before those, those are those are pretty cool moments that make it fresh every year but just the just the fraternity of guys and how they go about you know whether it's the dinner or whether it's the gathering together you still have much like a ball a ball team a bunch of different personalities and a bunch of different ways that people you know got it done so it's unique and and it's refreshing um and and you just you try to take it all in because it's going to be there every year for you. Well, John, I think you've uh, you've satisfied our excitement for the All-Star game. Uh, I know Mike and I are really looking forward to it, and I'm sure you're looking forward to calling it. And um, you know, Good luck with that next week, and I know we'll both be listening. So uh, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Stupod, thanks to John Smoltz for hanging with us, and now we move over to another pretty awesome dude, Bad News Ramen, on another installment of Three Strikes. He is the Red Man to my Method Man. I think you already used Red Man to your Method Man. Did you, I? You, yeah, you, you've oh. already used it. So I think it would have to be like, what if we do? What if we do? Um, I am actually you are my MC Ren to my Ice Cube. How about that? Mm, no, I mean, Doctor Dre. Doctor Dre. That's, that's a sizable step down. Well, of course, it's a sizable step down. But as, as long as long as I'm not your uh, whack ten to your WC, I, I think everything's good, dude. I, I'll take that step down as long as I, I've never. You don't ever compare me to to Mac ten. I don't think we did. We did Ray and Ghostface. I don't think we did Red Man and Method Man. Nah, yeah. I'm pretty sure we did. Well, okay, then you're you are. Um, I'm your common to uh, your uh, most deaf. How about that? How about Talib Kweli? Well, you'd have to be Talib Kweli because he sucks. But yeah, sure. <laughs> So let's, let's strike one. Let's do that. Strike one. Well, um, strike one is you know what? So I'm sitting. In, I'm sitting in my outside office, um, which I actually have, which I'm actually able to use because uh, it finally got cleaned up. But um, I'm looking at this book called The Awakening by by Kate Chopin or Chopin or whatever her name is. And basically, what it is is like this lady is like in the turn of the century, like kind of wants to have an affair, but she's married to like this oppressive husband and stuff. And her way of awakening and kind of getting out of her situation is she walks into the ocean and she kills herself. So the reason why I'm saying that is because I'm kind of having an awakening myself. And I, and I want to kind of hit on – this isn't going to be an awakening segment because I cannot understand a world that I live in where Mark Trumbo leads the league with home runs with 26. <laughs> I, I just don't get it. I mean Mark, Mark Trumbo, dude. I, I was, mean, that, I was I mean, wondering where you're going to go with that and, that, and, and I appreciate where you ended up. <laughs> Yeah, it's with my. I, I wish Mark Trumbo would walk in the ocean himself. No, I'm joking. Uh, but here's the, like usually like with Trumbo, right? It's like guy has 26 home runs. Like okay, yeah, sure, but he's hitting 230. Brother's hitting like 289, dude. And it's like I'm like, where is this guy? Like this guy was supposed. This was he was supposed to do like five six years ago, right? So I I, I can't understand it. And the other the other thing too is I'm I'm talking about two guys here. Uh, you know, Chris Bryant. You know, I mean, Chris Bryant. I thought was kind of like a. I mean, I knew he had talent, but he is actually 
kind of living up to his potential. And this guy's hitting 280 something as well. So, um, you, expl- explain team. explain this to me, dude. I, I just I just don't get it. Is this just a case where these guys got hot over a case of like two weeks? I mean, they they went Giancarlo Stanton like Giancarlo Stanton's doing now. I think Giancarlo Stanton's hit like six or seven home runs in like four or five days. Yeah, um, is. is is it just a case where they're just doing that, or do you think this is the, uh, the long haul for both these guys? I mean, Chris Bryant, I think it's the long haul. I don't think I don't think he's streaky. I think he's gotten better. I mean, he's only been in baseball. You know, professional baseball only a couple of years. I mean, he was out of college and right into into the pros in like two years. So he's gonna he's gonna keep getting better. Trumbo, you know, I don't I don't know I don't I don't know how to make sense of him. I think he's he's made some adjustments and uh, Quick Swick talked to him the other day about about it. And I think there's gonna be a story coming next week, so maybe we'll we'll, we'll learn some of the secrets. I don't know them, but um, I mean, he definitely fits like what the Orioles are doing in terms of just smashing the crap out of the ball and hitting all these homers. But, I, I mean, I wouldn't have picked him as, like, the guy that, you know, was going to lead baseball in home runs at the All-Star break. But here he is. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, put my, I wouldn't put my money on him in terms of – I think a, a lot of times it's funny if someone asks me, like – first of all, if someone asks me, they're like, well, did the Giants win last night? I'm like, why the heck would I know? I hate the Giants. But at the same time, it's like – it's funny when, when you play a lot of fantasy baseball – I don't think it's so much a case whether they win or lose. It's you're kind of looking at, at teams and players in terms of through a fancy eyes and stuff. So it's like not only am I mad that Trumbo is coming out of nowhere. Uh, Chris Bryant I, I can understand, but it's like, man, like anybody could add Mark. Mark, Mark Trumbo was picked up off the waiver wire. Um, so ride that guy for all it's worth, man. And uh, I don't know. My my my, my head is uh, asplode, as they say, dude. It just, it just blew up right now, Dean. What's strike two? Uh, strike two is uh, – so let's go ahead and talk about uh, your your friend, your best friend, uh, Bryce Harper. My BFF. And yeah. he, he's your BFF, My and uh, you, you what you do is you kind of you kind of you take a picture of him and draw a big heart around it, and, and you write Mister Mister and Mrs. Bryce Harper and stuff, and you know you you you've, you put your you put your face next to the picture and take a selfie with it and stuff and send it to him. That's that's scary, dude. Um, it's scary that I know that you do that, but. Um, he on July the fourth. No, no laugh there, huh? Just you're just kind of like, ah, okay. Yeah. I, I was uh, waiting until you were done. I was going to say you you're confusing me for Chris Swick right now. Those are the oh, Chris that, Wick. Okay. Those are the things well, that Chris Wick does. Swick does that with with uh with Kanye too. So you know, it, it's it's not it's not so much a, a situation when uh, Chris Swick does it with multiple like five you know five five to ten people. He does that all the time too. But that's that's another story. So let's get back to this story. Is with um, Bryce Harper kind of comes with the bat. And uh, has a, like stars and stripes on it, and then he has uh, like his Under Armour uh, cleats, and they have the flag and everything like that for the July the fourth game. And um, you know MLB, you know, and, and I think MLB allowed the bat, right? But they, but he had to take off the shoes, and then he wanted to come out with another bat, um, and they wouldn't, MLB wouldn't allow him to use that bat, and so. You're kind of having this age-old question of like, well, the guy should be able to express himself. It's for his country and stuff. All I'm saying is like. You know, if if I was in Major League Baseball, and and I had a bat, uh, I would put a lot of, a lot more different things than like the stars and stripes, right? Like I'd probably like you know you know you if, got one if of those I was really ripping bats. Well, what what I probably would have done like with you know around that time, you know, I probably would have like called Jenna Jameson or something like that and say, hey, like you want to be on my bat, you know? Because that was back when I, when I was kind of <laughs> when I could have been there. I mean, so I, I I can understand, you know, a lot of people are like, well, he's being patriotic this and this. I understand where he's coming from. I'm I'm glad that he wants to do that, but you, you are you're always going to have. I mean, you're going to have like someone like me who has no ounce of t- ilk of talent, and and there's a, a lot of baseball players out there that don't have any talent as well, 
And maybe they just want to make a statement. Like, I don't want to know, like, what some of these guys are going to put on their bats. Um, and I think you know, it's just kind of – I know I would put, like, Jenna Jameson or, or uh, Asia Carrera or Kobe Ty and, you know, and uh, Tara Patrick. I don't know how I know these people, but <laughs> that's probably what I've done. If, I, if, I, don't, if, I don't know what the common thread here is, people. <laughs> I'll say but this, if, though. I'll say this. Like, I think that if baseball is going to go so hardcore in terms of, like, you know – fourth of july caps and jerseys and all this stuff like like they got to let the players have some room too to express what they're going to do because if, if 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 i'm a player right and i don't like the hat but i have to wear it you know like i i should also be able then to do something that i want to do that's the way i look at it yeah i think july the fourth would be would could be that one day and, and it can just be a case like and will be because like say hey like you know if you guys want to do this you know just send us uh, send us the picture of it you know we'll give our approval for this holiday I have no problem with that. I think what you what you kind of run into the problem with is like I remember when um, you know the Warriors are making the rounds too with uh, signing Kevin Durant, but I remember when uh, Chris Webber. Uh, you want to talk about like the way the the, thun- the Thunder feel when Chris Webber left the Warriors? Uh, I felt like a hundred times worse than any Thunder fan could ever uh, feel when Chris Webber left. And I remember like Latrell Sprewell and Billy Owens and stuff. They would put you know they put his number um, on their shoes and everything like that, and they were getting fined all the time. Um, so you kind of run into those problems too, right? It's like baseball, I I think what people forget is that people want to say that, you know, baseball should be this. Well, no, baseball is a money, um, they are a money making organization and they have a a set of rules that, that they adhere to because they don't want to mess up their image or their brand. And the people that work for major league baseball, even though they work for a a sub company with this, which is a, a team, a certain team. They, you have to adhere to a certain set of rules. So I, I don't want to hear about, you know, let him express himself because you can say that, you know, freedom of speech, all that garbage. Do you like, oh, freedom of speech? Well, you know what? There is no freedom of speech. When you work for a company, they can dictate what you can say in public and they can fire you over for it. So don't give me that stuff. I mean, Major League Baseball is a corporation and, they, and they're within their right to say, hey, you know what, Bryce Harper, you can't do this. Do I agree with it? No, I don't. But at the same time, I understand the reasoning behind it. Let's strike three. Strike three. So, Strike three. Um, this is a. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call out you, uh, Townie, um, and Chris Swick, and then some of the other people that you write. If if I see one story on your on the Big Lee Stew, if I see one story that says feel good story of the year, I'm gonna come by with Bryce Harper's uh, bat that has the stars and stripes on it and make you see make you see some stars and stripes. Do not fall into the stupid trap of like this is the feel good story of the year. The, the worst feel-good story of the year that, that I ever read was when Josh Hamilton was making his big comeback and he was doing all these home runs and stuff. Like, oh, this is a, a, good, a great feel-good story of the year. I'm like, no, you know what the feel-good story of the year is? Is that is his family and friends that and his wife that stood by him when he was throwing his life away. He was given a God-given talent to play baseball. He was better than everybody else, and he almost you know pushed it all away by doing drugs. I'm like, that's not a feel-good story, dude. The feel-good story is the wife, is the family. And it's, I think it's just it's just a lazy cop-out way uh, when, when you – do when you watch the all-star g- game on tv they're gonna have a feel-good story it's like we're better than this right i mean we live now now we now let me let me let me say try, this again and slow it down it, yeah. I, i'm gonna try it one more time we now live in a world where mark trumbull leads the league in home runs we are better than having feel-good stories a year if you guys write a story about mark trumbull and say it's a feel-good story of the year i i will lose it dude i will totally lose it so so what you're telling me is that you don't think Mark Trumbo is the feel good story of the year, and that like Adam Duvall is the feel good story of the year. There is no, there is no such. 
there is no such thing as a feel good story of the year. So Ian Desmond I'm, is the feel good story of the year. Oh, don't even get me started. I I I bagged Ian Desmond, dude. Ian Desmond. Let, let's do a full story. There's no feel good story of the year, dude. I mean, what's 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 so feel good about it, right? I mean, you you want know the you know like a really like a feel good story of the year is like you remember like and you might not and I know I know Chris Swick definitely, definitely does remember this, but there was one time during the Olympics like some guy was like running and like he he popped his he popped his leg open and stuff and he, he couldn't run anymore and his dad came down the stands and helped him finish the lap. That's a good story of the year. A guy, a guy like not living up to his potential for five or six years and <laughs> didn't know what the heck he was doing. All of a sudden, he's caught lightning in a bottle and leads a league in home runs. That's not a feel good story of the year. Would you say that that Matt Harvey is the feel bad story of the year? Matt Harvey, I, I don't don't. Why, why do you got to bring that up, dude? I mean, why do you got to bring that up? You know, you know that that was my that was my like Same. my one my one pitching keeper. Uh, and I Same. like Matt Harvey. Uh, he is, you know, he probably is the feel bad story of the year. Feel but bad story, like his shoulder, man. Ah, yeah, it's just what it's just one of those things. He, I don't, I don't know what the heck's going on with him, right? Here's here's the funny thing, right? Is like when Harper busted his elbow and stuff, and he was always forthcoming saying this is what happened, this, that, and this. But the second that he started having a bad year, he's not coming out with anything. I mean, I think that that says something a little about Matt about Matt Harvey himself, right? It's like. He could have blamed his bum shoulder the whole season long, but he hasn't been doing anything. He just keeps quiet about it and doesn't say anything. And finally, you realize he lands on the deal, and you go, "Ah, that's what it is." So maybe Mark, uh, Matt Harvey, like being a stand-up guy for the most part and not blaming anything on his any type of ailments that he has on on his performance, uh, maybe that's a feel-good story of the year. Maybe yeah. you should write that. I'm gonna. We're, there's gonna be a big league stew headline, feel-good story of the year in the next in the next weeks, and it's just gonna be aimed at you. It's just going to be a straight troll move to bad news, Rotman. I, I I don't know what to do. I would I don't know what would happen if, if I if I saw that story. I don't know. Maybe we would talk about we would talk about it next week. How about that? All right, we'll be back with more Stewpod in just a second. Thanks to Bad News Ramen and uh, thanks for thanks to John Smoltz, excuse me, for joining us on the show. One Hall of Famer and one I don't know Hall of Famer would be <laughs> would be Hall of, <laughs> Hall of Famer. I don't know if Bad News Ramen's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer in, in my eyes, but maybe not everybody's. That's all that. Uh, so we're at the important questions part of the show, and Chris, I'll 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 share the I'll share with the people what I shared with you earlier. I got some baseball wigs in the mail. Yeah, um, there's a company we, out there named, say. named Fan Pelt that that makes um, baseball wigs, wigs of baseball players. So you can go and buy like Johnny Cueto's hair, or Tim Lincecum's hair, or Noah Syndergaard's hair, or whatever. Um, and it's kind of funny, fun stuff. I mean, I don't know, like I don't know who, like how you come up with that idea, but I, I applaud the the cleverness of it, I guess. Um, so that leads me to this question, Chris. Who's Whose hair would you want to have? Which baseball player in real life, like who do you have hair envy of? Oh, that's obvious. It's Bryce Harper. Is it? You, yeah, man. You, you would do that big old Bryce thing. Definitely. Is going on? You would. Okay. I. I mean, I've already. I've. I've considered just going to uh, the people who cut my hair and just being like, "Give me the Bryce Harper." <laughs> so yeah, Bryce Harper. I feel like it's a little similar to Josh. Josh Donaldson's just a little bit. Got kind of the same thing going on there. Yeah, Josh Donaldson's is a little more Brady and and kind of yeah. Like he he's he's putting in some effort to make it different. 
I think that's a little too far for what I'm willing where I'm willing to go. But Bryce Harper, he hits the sweet spot for me. Does he? All right. Well, I guess that's not entirely surprising. Yeah. I, I, I you know, I almost would have went like like a Cindergard or something because I've never had long hair. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't think my hair like really grows that way. I don't think it looks good. Um, so I almost would have taken it, but then I put on the Noah Syndergaard wig for like two minutes today. Yeah. And my head was already sweating. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you have all this hair, man? I don't, you know, and no, I have very short hair. I pretty much always had short hair. So, um, I've, I disproven my own, when I thought of it, I was like, oh, I'll say, you know, one of these long haired guys. And now I don't know. Um, I guess it, I could be like Mike Trout, right? Um, <laughs> anybody could have Mike Trout's haircut. I, I guess. Um, I don't know, man. So, I mean, I guess I guess I would be envious of the of the Syndergaard hair. I just don't know if I could pull it off. I don't know if that counts as an answer. Yeah, and you sent me a picture of that, so I can I can use that as blackmail. You can vouch don't, for the fact of how ridiculous I looked. Don't get on my bad side, or else everyone will see that. Hey, shout out to Fanpelt though, because it's it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting idea, if nothing else. Like, Definitely. Go and buy yeah. it. and they have Bartolo too. So. Keep that in mind. They have hundred pence. I actually, there's one on there, Chris, that I, I, I think I'm gonna get you for Christmas or something. They have a, they have a Colby Rasmus. Oh, I didn't even see that one when I, because I, I checked out the site earlier after you had sent me the picture. I should have said. Not I should have said Colby Rasmus, huh? That actually, that's my answer. Colby Rasmus. Yeah, just, that's a great answer. Just the the dripping sort of icky, you know, like wrestler hair. I mean, that's what it is, right? It's like the Undertaker hair. Yeah. Yeah, I want to do that. I just want to leave puddles of, of like grease on my shoulders every day. Here's a good Colby Rasmus aside. Last night, uh, he struck out five times in a game. Nice. But when he struck out his fourth time, Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times, he tweeted, Colby uh, Rasmus has a golden sombrero. And for a second, I honestly thought that he was in the clubhouse wearing a golden sombrero. Because, and I, because he might. Because he would. Yeah. That sounds like a thing he would do. And then I was like, oh, no, wait. He means four strikeouts. <laughs> well, let's wrap it up. This has been the StuPod. Thank you guys for listening. Chris, go ahead and tell them what they need to do. If you've enjoyed uh, listening to us talk for a little bit, you should rate and review us in iTunes. Uh, pretty easy to do. Just type in StuPod in the little search bar, and hopefully you'll give us five stars and leave us a little comment. We would really enjoy that and definitely helps out the podcast. Yes, it does. Thank you, guys. And please, please do that. This has been the Stew Pod on Yahoo Sports. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.